What are you waiting for? I want to explain. Explain what? I want to explain that I know what you're feeling. No idea what I'm feeling. I watched my daughter Alex die in front of me. And it was my fault. I had a chance to save her. But I chose the island over her. All in the name of Jacob. I sacrificed everything for him. And he didn't even care. Yeah, I stabbed him. I was so angry, confused. I was terrified that I was about to lose the only thing that had ever mattered to me, my power. But the thing that really mattered was already gone. I'm sorry that I killed Jacob. I am, and I do not expect you to forgive me because I can never forgive myself. And what do you want? Just let me leave. Where will you go? To Locke. Why? Because he's the only one that'll have me. I'll have you. to another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week on Lost, we are covering Season 6, Episode 7, Dr. Linus. Hey! <laughs> you got it! <laughs> it would have been terrible if you were like, no, Kristen, that's the wrong episode. <laughs> <laughs> I almost did it just to see what you would say. It's well, I was really reacted. unsure. I was really unsure too because I'd watched this a couple days ago. So I, my brain said, we've covered this. And I, then, <laughs> then I was I, like, I don't think we talked about this. I just like your pacing too. You were like, this week we are covering. <laughs> no, I said on lost. On lost. <laughs> we are covering. It's almost like you were waiting just to make sure I wasn't going to interrupt. No, no. wasn't even that. It was I had to make sure that I said it all correctly. Because if I didn't, you were going to make fun of me. You're uh, stupid. Yeah. You messed it up. You're stupid. <laughs> um, okay. I want to address something real quick. 
Uh-oh. I've been am getting in No, no, no. No, this hasn't nothing to do with with you. <laughs> am, um, I getting, am I getting suspended uh, from school? <laughs> no, school's over. Uh. Um I've had a number of people reach out Uh-oh. and ask me what is the next show you are doing? Oh. Because we keep teasing it. All right. Well, let's say it. Say it. No, no. I oh. so here's here's what I'm suggesting. To those people that want to know, we are almost at the halfway point of season six. We have, we just did season seven. Season nine is technically the halfway point. So let's say episode, episode. What did I say? Season. Oh, sorry. God, you're stupid. Now I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> let's say at the end of the episode in two weeks. When we hit the halfway point of season six, we will make the announcement of what show we're doing next. Okay. So that'll be season six, episode nine. Oh, Abiturno. Abiturno. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Which is an okay. episode we're both looking forward to covering. Yeah. So let's say at the end of episode, at that episode. So that'll be. In two weeks. Revisited 98. Well, then why don't we just wait till our Let's just wait till 100. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it on our 100th episode. Thing. Come on, okay, man. Okay, so four so four episodes. Yeah. And then Abiturno can be on its on its own. Okay. All right, that it's makes a little more glory. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Our 100th so, episode. Our 100th episode which will be coming up in about a month. It only um, took us 3 years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're horrible. We are. Uh, Look, life gets sometimes life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around <laughs> once in a while, you're gonna miss it. Thank you. You're um, welcome. <clears throat> yeah. So let's say four episodes from now, at the end of the hundredth, we will make the announcement to what show we are going to cover after Lost. Yeah, okay. I love it. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Now that now that that's addressed, we are a spoiler filled podcast. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So if you don't want to know what happens in the next 12 episodes, then don't listen. Can I just say, too, to anybody who heard the last episode, which hopefully everybody listening to this one did. <laughs> I, got a, I got a text message saying just just two words, bird sex. <laughs> <laughs> who was that from? Chill. Chill? Okay, yeah. of course it was. Um. I had somebody. I had somebody message me about that too. They're like, I was totally losing it at birds. <laughs> I was like, well, this is why we don't cut anything from the podcast. So I got messages on that too, but luckily they were all good messages. Like, thank people God, because that was that was a wild few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the the part about last episode, as I was editing, that made me laugh, and then made me laugh again as I was editing the video version of it was how we ended. The episode, how I was just kind of like spewing everything oh. like our usual spiel. And you were like, and you were like, we'll see you down the rabbit hole. See, I got to say it this time. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> and, then, and then you just started laughing. And that's how I ended. The episode. <laughs> uh, I like it that every week we have a little bit more fun with this. I know it only took us three years. I know. It's so almost serious. 100 episodes. So serious in the beginning. Where are we, though? I think so. I took a lot more notes, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think now, like, the conversations become 
it becomes more conversational rather than just what's our point? What's our point? What's our point? Our what's conversations our point? become more conversational. Shut up. You know what I meant. <laughs> did I see our conversations uh, become more conversational? Yes, you did. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> our, our discussions become more conversational. There you go. That's I'm an English teacher, man. I gotta gotta keep up on oh, it. God. In these Why do you podcast with me? Summer months. <laughs> you're gotta English direct teacher. my my correction somewhere. Why do you podcast with me if you're an English teacher? Because I'm a masochist. I'm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, are we sure we're not what we already said we were going to do with the movie Half Baked? Oh yeah, no, we're not. Anybody, no. any of my students that might be listening, no, completely sober. Thank you. No, we actually are com- completely sober. It's just, it's early on Sunday morning and we're just, actually, it's not even early anymore. It's not it's early. It's the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've been going through, like I said, like a week long anxiety attack. This is like the first like freedom I have felt from that. You just needed but- me. You just needed me on a screen to just laugh about stupid shit. And you, you know what? In all honesty, too, though, like I've talked about personal stuff on this podcast before, but I will say that, like, I do feel when I podcast, this is one of the reasons why I love podcasting is because when I podcast, yeah. anytime I'm behind a microphone, whether it's podcasting or on stage or in front of somebody interviewing them, like, I, it is a, it's a, it's, Comforting. It's a comfort zone for yeah. me. It, it really is. It, yeah. it, it kind of like everything that I'm going through in my life, whether it's anxiety or whatever, like it kind of just dissipates at it's least for the time. While I'm all doing that, it. It's because you're putting all that extra energy that you have in your brain. Cause I have anxiety as well, right? You put all that extra energy of your overthinking and your blood pressure and everything like that. You channel it right into this. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of it, you've spent all that extra energy that you have doing that. And, then you kind of feel like that equilibrium, which is nice. Yeah, the relief kind of still lasts a little bit after mm-hmm. I'm done. Yes. Um, you know, it's it's one of the reasons why I love working conventions and getting to moderate mm. uh, and such. I actually, like, we'll, we'll need to discuss this off air, but I will actually be away Saturday, Sunday, next weekend. So we'll probably have to record before that, maybe on Friday. But we'll talk about that when, when we're done. Um, I'm free. Because I'm working, because I'm working. It's summer, a show and, man, I'm free. That's what I mean. Like, I, it won't be an issue for us now because it's in the it's summer. It's not but... Tuesday, okay? Oh yeah, it's Fourth of July. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's fine. Um, again, we'll talk about this when we're when we're not recording. But um, yeah, I'll be working a show next weekend, and I'm going to be on stage with uh, with like Christy Swanson, who was the original <gasps> Buffy the Buffy Vampire, the Vampire Slayer. Slayer. Yep, I uh, loved her. I'm going to be on stage with with Christy Swanson and uh, Sam Jones, who was the original, who was Flash Gordon. And uh, I'm going to please, please talk to Christy Swanson about Luke Perry. If she's willing to talk about it. Yeah. I just want to hear about like, I hear he was the nicest guy like in the world from everybody. So it would just be nice to get that, you know, another good feel good story about him. If, 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 I, if she's OK talking about it, I'll bring it up. It's been we'll a couple years. True. Which is nice. Very true. All right. Enough about our anxieties and our other stuff. Uh, if you're still, we are now going to talk about Lost. <laughs> yeah, hopefully you're still here. Uh, <laughs> episodes, uh, episode seven, season six, Dr. Linus, a Ben-centric episode. Yes. 
Yeah. And I have to tell you, like, I really, really liked this episode. I did too. Um, but I could have done without the Richard Jack subplot and it would have still been a great episode. I can absolutely see that. I feel like maybe that should have been in a different episode. Mm-hmm. Like maybe even part of Ab Abturno, which we're going to get to in two episodes. Or at the end of Recon, which is the next episode. Just yeah. n- this episode was so good on its own. And I understand if like you needed to have Matthew Fox like in every episode or in a number of episodes like contract wise, but it just didn't make sense. And having him appear at the end, right on the beach, having Jack and Hurley uh, appear on the beach later at the end of the episode, that would have been enough. You know, I understand that there's like no explanation for why they ended up on the beach, but that's something that lost can, can do in a, in another episode. You know, like Lost plays with time enough that you don't have to have that continuum. I I can see that. Um, I do feel like there would have been a little bit of confusion if they just randomly appeared on the beach. Okay. Um, especially if like if it was just Jack and Hurley appearing on the beach, that's one thing. But to show up with Richard randomly without getting any of that Richard kind of Richard, backstory in the background. Was Richard on the beach? Richard was on the beach with them. Okay. I don't yeah, remember. He, it's there's three of them that walk up on the beach and Richard is one of the three. I, you know, I have to tell you, it, like I momentarily thought that Jin was going to be with them too. And I was like, finally, Oh yeah, no, this isn't it. I'm like, say, so, I would like this surge and then down. So when they started, when, like when the music started playing and it slows They're down They're coming around the hedge and you see son get all excited. I was like, it's the, no, it's not that reunion. That doesn't come yet. <laughs> I can't uh, wait. So, I just noticed something very interesting about this episode that I had no idea this person was even involved with Lost. Do you know who the director of this episode was? Uh, I was going to talk to you about that. It was... Mario Van Peebles. Mario Van Peebles. I was almost there because I didn't write it down. I was trying to remember from memory. (laughs) I had no idea he directed any episodes of Lost. Was this the only episode that he did? I don't know if this is the only episode he did, but this is apparently he has directed episodes of Empire, The Last Ship, Sons of Anarchy, Damages, and Boss. I knew he had done Sons of Anarchy um, because we've watched that show um, and I've seen it. And his name is hard to miss. It's a very funny little name, Mario Van Peebles. Um. But I'm surprised that Jack Bender didn't do every single episode of the last season of Lost, just because he did so many. Um, and the last season, I would I would think you would want to be a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Continuous? Is that even right? Consistent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. But- I, 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 I get it. Like, it's... it's um- I, I kind of compare it a little bit to anybody who was a fan of the show, the Orville um, season two or season three of the Orville, the last season that they just did so far. And hopefully not the final season. Um, 
there were two people that directed every episode and it was Seth MacFarlane, who's one of the creators. And then the other creator, and I can't remember the, the, per- the person's name was the other person. They were the mm-hmm. only two directors of every episode as compared to the first two seasons that brought in special guest right. directors. Um, Cause we were just talking about the mission impossible franchise before we started recording and how John Woo completely messed up the second mm-hmm. mission impossible movie. It didn't, it doesn't even fit within the entire theme of those movies. So it's funny that they would bring in an extra director that hasn't previously directed an episode of lost on the last season. Yeah. If that and he sense. did, he did do just the one episode. I did look it up as we were, as we were talking. So that's an interesting decision then. To bring in somebody who's, yeah, who's never done it. Uh, yeah. Especially right. considering when you look at the next episode, Jack Bender is the director of the next episode. Right. Who did Avaterno? Uh, Abiturno is Tucker Gates, who I don't know if he has directed other episodes or not. Um, apparently he is, let's see for director. Let's see if he has done any, he's done a lot of big name shows, um, including new girl, which he directed an episode. He's directed episodes of parks and recreation. Oh, then he's raising solid. hope. <laughs> he, he's done seven episodes of lost. So he is not a okay. one time. Right. He wasn't a one and done for, for lost. So, I mean, while that was, while that was an interesting decision to do that, I also think that he did a really good job because this Agreed. episode was very beautifully done. Um, the Linus story was beautiful. You get that officer and a gentleman, uh, kind of call back or shout out at the end when Ben's like, cause no one else will have me. It's like Richard Gere saying, I have nowhere else to go. <laughs> and I thought I, I like, I, I found that comparison really intriguing because like by the end of this episode, we have, in my opinion, what is a fully submissive Ben fully redeemed Ben. He's well redeemed and submissive. Like he has given in to become a follower. Now he's no longer the leader. And I think, but he's also not submissive because he's still Ben Linus. I kind of disagree with that. I think, okay, okay, hold on. Let me, let me kind of rephrase it a little bit. I'm so sorry. I stepped on you anyways. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's totally fine. Um, we kind of get it in the present day and we get it in the flash sideways that he has become. It's more in the flash sideways that I feel like he has become submissive. But even now, even thinking about it a little bit more now that you just said that he's really not because he still retains a little bit of element of control mm. because principal Reynolds, like we find out by the end of this and we'll, we'll dive into more detail about it later. We find out when he's in the office, like you start to think like, Oh, maybe he did, Turn like tell tell him to get his resignation. Then Principal Reynolds walk in walks in and says, "You know why are you in my office?" And you find out, no, he gave in. He dropped everything. He gave in to Principal Reynolds. But then there's that moment where he looks at Principal Reynolds. He's like, "No, well, didn't you hear? Like we got our spot back because Principal Reynolds agreed to find somebody else to take detention." And the principal looks at him like he's like, "Isn't that right?" And the principal's like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. like." That was never prearranged. You could tell that was something he kind of threw at him like, you're going to go along with this. He will always have that principle under his thumb because of the information that Ben has on him, whether he gives it to Principal Reynolds or not. You know, he still has that information. And Ben gave up a lot to keep Reynolds in 
his position. And Ben's entire mission anyways was to make sure that Alex had her future intact. So his priorities and, 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 and this is like one of my, my main points of the episode anyways, was the, it, the way that he treated Alex on the Island and the way that he treats Alex in the flash sideways, the flash sideways is him writing those wrongs that he made and him making those decisions that were different by putting Alex first. So there's the, so there's the redemption element for Ben in the flash sideways in the flash sideways. He has achieved his redemption at the end of this episode. I like the fact that he has a good relationship with his father. I like the fact that, um, that he was, that he is this really caring individual in the flash sideways. I also find it very weird that in this school that I think is a public school, there are three doctors for teachers because as somebody who works in a public school, <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> oh, you mean, oh, so like by doctors, you mean like people with actual doctorate degrees? Yeah, the yeah. principal who went to Yale and was a doctor, uh, Dr. Linus, uh, teaching European history at a high school, which by the way, that I don't know that that exists. And then Dr. Arnst, the science teacher. Yeah. <laughs> it I, was great to see him again. I loved the fact. I don't know if you picked up on this or not, but, and this is, it, it's, it's a quick note. So I'll, I'll talk about it now that we're talking about it. One of my favorite things about this episode and Dr. Arnst coming in is that when we first see him, he's wiping a spot off his shirt and then later on, oh, we get yeah. Hurley who mentions like the last time we were here, like Dr. Arts didn't handle this properly. And next thing you know, I had an art spot on my shirt. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. that's what Arnst was doing in the beginning. It's like he's wiping a spot off his shirt, which he became a spot on somebody's shirt. You I, know, I don't maybe, know. It maybe had to be done intentionally. Maybe that was the reason why they had the Jack Richard and Hurley scene was to write, remind us of who Arnst was by also Possibly. bringing them into the, into the fold. Maybe I just, Oh, I really hated Jack in this episode. Like a lot. I understand really? that he's supposed, yes, yes. Because he's so dismissive and rude to Hurley, Hurley, the one who actually speaks to Jacob Hurley, the one who saved Jack's life by leading the, by leaving the temple Hurley, who got them into the temple in the first place when they needed safe refuge. And he still doesn't respect or even acknowledge Hurley to be anybody other than a, a, a point of annoyance for him. And it pisses me off the way he talks to Hurley. Okay, I I can I can see that. Let's not get too far off, t- off topic though. Let's I'm go still back. on the episode. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm no, I'm not talking about like that. I mean, like I don't want to go from like jumping from point to point to point and back to point back to point like because that all right, seems all like right, that's what right. we might be doing. Um, even though I just got done saying like I like how our discussions are more conversational. Um, but like even just. Because we'll talk about Jack, because I do have a difference a little bit. I did have a difference of opinion, but now that you said that, it kind of makes me second guess my difference. I'm very convincing. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> you, you made me, now I'm kind of second guessing my thoughts on <laughs> the whole Jack of the episode. But yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe that is the reason why they brought Ernst into the episode, or they kept the Black Rock elements in this episode was because of Ernst and the dynamite. 
We yeah, because he to was be- a science teacher that I think he also taught chemistry. I think so. Which, you know, you can blow yourself up in chemistry too. <laughs> very, yeah, very true. That's a connection. But- I, th- I think you're right. I think the reason why the Black Rock was in part of this episode was because of Arst. That's the only really logical explanation I can think of as to why. Mm-hmm. Because Arst blew himself up with the dynamite, and the dynamite is what we see with Richard attempting to kill himself with. Right. So uh, that is the connection, and you're, I think you're right. That's the reason why it's part of this episode. Okay. So. Well, okay, so with all that, where do you want to start? You know what? We touched on it already. Let's talk about Jack and this episode. I mean, let's do it because I feel like you just have frustration bubbling and it's just got to like, well, I just always look for a reason to push that button. (laughs) So I suppose (laughs) I should just get it ready. Yeah, I should have it. I should have my finger on the button. Well, I basically said what what my note says. So my note says Jack is once again a complete ass in this episode. Maybe he was just played wrong by Matthew Fox. His condescending tone and attitude towards Hurley makes me irritated for two episodes in a row now. Hurley has regular contact with Jacob and Jack still doesn't give what Hurley says any credit. And it's annoying. Well, it seems like we're getting a little bit, not a little bit, we're getting a lot different side of Jack. Jack is very clearly at this point becoming the man of faith that he never was before. Like, he would have never believed any of the Jacob stuff. He would have never believed in any of it. And now we see him literally putting his life at risk to sit in front of Richard with a stick of dynamite, fuse burning, fully confident with faith that nothing is going to happen to him. Yeah. I mean, he is a completely different Jack now at this point, not only from episode one of the show, but episode one of this season, he's a completely different Jack. Yeah. And Mm, maybe that man of faith has just made him a condescending asshole. Golly, he's, I mean, it's really bad. And he only treats Hurley that way. He doesn't treat anybody else that way. Well, it's I don't only think he, Hurley. I, I don't think we've really seen him interact with anybody other than Hurley since taking this leap of faith. I don't know. We've seen Kate. He was nice to Kate. Yeah, but that was pre-Lighthouse. I think Lighthouse is the switch that flipped for Jack. And he hasn't interacted with anybody but Hurley since the Lighthouse. Well, I guess so, we'll see how he is next episode then. That's what I mean. Now that he's yeah. reunited with everybody, it's going to be a wait and see to see how he reacts with everybody else. Well, he owes Hurley an apology. I can't remember if we ever get it or not. No, we don't. Are you well, kidding me? I mean, Dr. Shepard apologizing to somebody? And Jack and Hurley are connected for the rest of this series. They are together till the end of this series. From this point on. Yeah. Because they are both the two most important people on this island at this at this very moment. Yeah, I would say that Hurley is more important than Jack, but yeah. Only because Hurley has communication with Jacob, which we learn in this episode is rare. Ben never saw him. Richard never saw him or never talked to him. Uh, did mm, I don't know if I, I believe never that saw Richard him never... After Jacob touched him. Like, he was told, hey... I got a plan for you, blah, blah, blah. And then he never saw him again. It, has that been confirmed that he's never seen him after he touched him? 
I feel like they've been. Doesn't he say that in the episode? I saw it a couple days ago, but doesn't he say that in the episode? I don't think so. Oh, Um, I think I think Jacob and Richard have been in constant contact with each other. Like Richard has been almost the right hand man. No, a couple. No, a couple weeks ago, he had a conversation with Locke. And Locke called him out for saying, you have faith in somebody who doesn't even talk to you, who you've never seen or you haven't seen, who hasn't answered your questions. I think it's more the hasn't answered your questions. I think the speak, I think doesn't speak to you is in the figurative sense, as in like he doesn't tell you things. I don't think it's that they never actually physically spoke. I'm going to have to go back and, and look at that because I, I do think that it's, it's, there's been like a silence, which is why Richard is having his crisis of faith right now. Much well, I, like I, Ben had his crisis of faith. Well, I also think Richard's crisis of faith is also coming because he felt he was the right-hand man to Jacob, but now Jacob is talking to Hurley after I he's I think dead. that Richard not being the guardian of the island this entire time is criminal. Oh, absolutely. Well, like, again, I don't understand why that hasn't happened. We talk about everything as being a game of chess when you, you know, you realize that, you know, when you, everything that we've seen so far up until this point, you would figure that Richard plays the part of a bishop or a rook and you find out he's just another pawn. But they're all pawns. That's that's what I've noticed. And I have this in my notes about Jacob being a very deeply flawed character. And it's coming out in the last couple of episodes. Um, you know, Miles mentions in this episode that, um, that he was very confused that Jacob was very confused, uh, at the end of his life when Ben stabbed him because he was hoping that Ben, that he was wrong about Ben. Mm -hmm. And it turned out that he wasn't well. Okay. I understand that, but how can you be wrong about somebody who you abandoned? You know, he abandoned Ben. He abandoned Richard. He told them, hey, I have a plan. And then he just like left them to their own devices. And I don't, yeah. I, I just don't appreciate that. So it's like, how can you be confused about this when Ben was going through, Ben was at this standoff and he loses Alex, you know, because Ben is so sure that Jacob's got his back this whole time. Right. And then it's just proven. No, he doesn't. Cause he doesn't care about you because you're just a pawn in his stupid chess game with his brother. Yeah. It almost feels like in, in a sense that Jacob relied too much on blind faith. Yes. Uh, without giving any kind of an influence. Nothing. Uh, yeah. He, he kind of was just, he, he was so incensed with faith in blind faith that he just automatically assumed everything would work out the way it's supposed to work out. And in the end, it ultimately cost him his life. Well, and you have to understand that, I mean, even when you do have blind faith in somebody, you still have to pay attention to them. It's important yeah. to foster those relationships because you can't just assume that people are just going to be on your side if you've given them nothing in return to be proven that they are doing something right. And then this other force and not lock comes in. And I mean, he's really convincing. He had me. He has me convinced most of the time. He had me convinced in this episode when oh, he spoke to Ben. Yeah. And yeah. It, like, and it, like, it was really a shock, but in the pleasant sense when, you know, Alana is the one, like when Ben's like, I just want to go because nobody will have me. And she's yeah. like, you mentioned earlier, she's like, well, I'll have you. And then she walks away. 
Well, she that is was, the forgiving spirit that Jacob always needed to be. I was just going to say the same exact thing. Her awesome. saying to Ben, well, I'll have you. And then walking away was having the the blind faith in Ben, but still giving the nurturing element that Jacob never did. Right. 100%. That's yes. perfectly said. Perfectly said. Yes. And so in this episode, you really see, in my opinion, that Jacob was so flawed in his in the way that he has been doing things, right? I mean, we also have um, that you know we also know that Claire and Kate are now off the list of candidates, right? Because they became a mother, mm-hmm. but maybe Kate's back on the list. I don't know because she's not a mother anymore. Well, but nothing is ever said about son. Son became a mother. Well, Alana also says that there are six candidates left. So you got to figure Quan is one of them because she doesn't know whether it's Jin or Son. You've got her. You've got Jack, Hurley, Sawyer, Sawyer. Saeed. Who's the sixth? Saeed. Who am I missing? Son. That's, it's you both. You think Quan's make up two? I think that that's why she said six because she doesn't know which one to protect. So she's doing both. Okay. Because I thought about that, and when she said six, I'm like, "Well, if Quan is only one, like who's like who's the sixth person?" So she's protecting six, but maybe there's five left. Okay, maybe yeah, maybe she's counting them both each as as their own. Yeah, because she doesn't know which one there is. But honestly, Richard and Ben should be on that list. Well, they are. Their names are just crossed off. Not to mention, what the hell is Frank Lapidus doing there? Because Ben makes a very good point of saying, of saying when they had their little conversation, and he's like, I overslept. It's crazy, right? How I was supposed to be on that plane. And Ben goes, Island still got you anyways. Well, why? For what purpose? To what end? Your name isn't in the lighthouse. You're not a candidate. So why was it essential for you to be on this island? Is his name not on the list? No, it's not on the list. Okay. I don't I I don't remember if I if I saw his name on the list or not. I don't think we did. Um yeah, I don't, I don't I'm I'm not going to look, but I I don't think we did. Um I want to go back real quick to the whole Alana being the the blind faith with yeah, the yeah, nurturing. Yeah. Um I find it very interesting too is because like we've there's been an element of this series of things of kind of we've called it the daddy issues element, but it's also been like things you've learned from your father as to the person to be or not to be. And I find it very interesting. I find it very interesting because she calls Jacob at one point, the father she never had the closest thing to a father, the the closest thing to a father she's ever had. And then there's that moment with her and Ben where Ben, you know, goes off on why he's being this way and such. And then she's the one that kind of offers him forgiveness. It's almost like she learned from Jacob the mistake not for Jacob to not to make the same mistake Jacob made. She learned from a father figure. Yeah. I like that character. I do, too. I haven't really been a big fan of hers on this watch, but. Man, she was great in this episode. Like you really saw a range with her, and um, 
it was hard for her to re- for to forgive Ben and to let him back in, but she knew you could tell that she knew it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, like he Ben was this was Ben's rock bottom, I think. I I yeah, I he was I out of options. I agree with that. And I even said, like, it's kind of one of the reasons why I said, like, we've seen he's he he felt almost submissive mm. um, in the sense that he he just kind of comes sulking back to the camp. But then there's that redemption element that you mentioned where he puts the gun down, he puts the rifle down and he offers to help son, son. and son accepts his help. Which is something because she's not forgiving in nature. No, not at all. Especially considering everything that Ben has put her through. Right. Right. So for Sun to be able to accept Ben's help, I think even from an outside point of view, there are people that can see this is a different Ben. Well, as Ben, with that group... I would be most terrified of talking to Sun. And he went to her first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for for whatever that means, I think that, that that's worth mentioning that he could have gone to Lapidus, who, you know, doesn't care whether you live or die, up or down, sideways or back. He doesn't care. He's Frank Lapidus. I love him. Um <laughs> You know, but son, son's a formidable force, you know, and she's had three years as a mom. She's back for her husband. You know, she's, you know, eye on the prize this entire time. She's proven to be very resourceful, very fierce. She's knocked him out cold, um, you know, and, and uh, manipulated him as much as he has manipulated her. So it was nice to see that he went up to the biggest challenge first. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And I think, I think it speaks volumes for Ben too, that like the first thing he did, even before asking if he could help was putting the rifle down. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I'm coming to you unarmed. I'm coming to you as me stripped down. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Stripped down is the best way to put it. Like I'm not armed. I'm, I just want to help. I would love to know if like, if Michael Emerson ever had a day on lost where he wasn't getting scrapes and bruises painted (laughs) on him. (laughs) He has taken so much shit through the course of this series. Like he should have permanent brain trauma at this point (laughs) with how much has happened with him. like to anybody like who might be listening, who might be wondering why, because I've 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 said this numerous times, and I I still stand by it, even now that we're we're continuing on and rewatching it, and this episode in particular, why Ben is my favorite character, yeah, of this series. It has nothing to do with the fact that we share the first the same first name. It is all about the character. It is the way Michael Emerson portrays the character. It is everything this character has been through, the highs and the lows. It is he does not have an arc. He has a literal wave. Yeah. Because it is constant ups and downs. And now we've gotten to a point in the series by the end of this episode where it's on a high 
and I don't think it ever comes down again. If I remember correctly, I don't think we ever hit low Ben again. He's truly a dynamic character. He really um, is. If you look at over the course of television itself, I would put him up there like in the top 10 TV characters of all time just because of how captivating he was, how well he played that character. I mean, even in a rewatch, he still keeps you on your toes, mm-hmm. which says something. You yeah. know, that's that's really saying something. And the fact that he was never nominated or never got any, you know, accolades for for playing this character is really it's it's a true uh, disappointment because he really deserved some kind of recognition. Not only that, but the fact that this was a character that was only supposed to be like a three to four episode arc. Right. And be done. Right. And has now become such a staple of this series. Well, yeah. I mean, you can, you, you see, you see the show before and post Ben, you know? Yeah. I mean, he added this richness and this, this, you know, layer of, um, of doubt throughout, you know, the entire rest of the series. And, and I do, I, I hate him. I love him. I just treasure that character. It's, it's a good character. God, I really want to get him on this podcast. I really do. I'm going to have to really push it and see if we can get him on. Like I said, I've had talks with his publicist and it's just timing wise. It's just never worked out, but I don't think he's working on anything right now. So now might be the time to kind of pounce on it and see if we can get him on. Yeah, Because from what his publicist told me, he still enjoys talking about Lost. Unlike Terry O'Quinn, who will unfortunately never get on this podcast for, for Lost. Oh, might okay. be able to, I might be able to get him on Wilhelm to talk to him about other stuff, but not. we won't get him on this. That's um, okay. But I'm going to have to. What did, you think about, what did you think about um, the whole um, lesson that Ben was teaching on Napoleon? Okay, so I tried analyzing that scene. I'm curious on your thoughts because I really couldn't come up with with anything. So Napoleon I, Bonaparte was, you know, an emperor. He mm-hmm. was, you know, everybody knows, you know, he was he was Napoleon Bonaparte who was drunk with power and only wanted more power. And that was like his singular focus. And then he eventually, he does so many fucked up things that they uh, banish him to the Island of Elba. Right. Okay. So he's been banished to the Island of, of Elba because, and he still gets to keep his title, but he doesn't get to like actually do anything about it. So the irony I think is that Ben is teaching in the flash sideways about this, this uh, man of history who was drunk with power, had to be exiled to an island, kind of kept his status, but he didn't get to do anything with his status. He was just completely beaten down, you know, and that's how he died. And that's exactly the path that Ben takes in his main island timeline is that he's very much a Napoleon character, drunk with power, always trying to get more power, always wanted more power, sacrificed his own daughter for power. I think that that's like a big theme of this episode is, you know, absolute power corrupts absolutely, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're, and if you are going for power, it's eventually going to get you in the end. And you can see that that Ben chooses to relinquish his quest for power or more power in, in the flash sideways to, to help Alex, to help this student. Whereas in the Island timeline, he is his quest for power is the reason why Alex 
died. And then you see him at the end of this episode in the Island timeline, he relinquishes all of his power and he decides, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is not who I want to be anymore. And he steps away from that Napoleon character. Do you, okay. So did I say too much? No, 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 not at all. Um, the only question I have is like you, you keep, and this is the second time you brought it up and I didn't read it like this. You said like the reason why Ben in the flash sideways did all these things was for Alex. And I do see that to a point, but I feel like the whole premise of potentially becoming the principal and, and taking over, I feel like that was an element that was presented to us before Alex came to his door. I feel like they had already had the conversation about that before Alex came for help. No, 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 no. They had, it had been put in his head. Locke put it in his head, but he wasn't going to do anything about it. And then he got that information about the principal and his tryst with the nurse while he was tutoring Alex in the library. So Alex was the influence to make him make the move. Not, Correct. Not more the his absolute reason for doing it. Right. Okay. That yeah. makes a little bit more sense. And then, yeah. yeah and then the principal was like, yeah, well, you know, I went to Yale and I can crush all of her dreams. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, I mean, first off, uh, it was great seeing William Atherton. Uh, and second off, uh, as a dick, because that's usually all he plays in movies. So this, yeah, I read William in the Atherton. trivia, I read the trivia. This role was written for him. Oh, of course it was. <laughs> he is a dick. Oh, no, I'm sorry. According to Bill Murray, this man has no dick. Which is a quote from Ghostbusters, if you don't know. Ah, uh, I've only seen Ghostbusters like a handful of times. He, well, he's the, he's the EPA agent that comes in and shuts it down that releases all the ghosts. Oh, yeah. No, I, he uh, usually you know does he play. Yeah, he usually does play a dick. Um, he's also a dick in Die Hard. He's also interesting. Two. He's also interesting because in this in this episode because he does also have the whole Napoleon complex as well with his thirst for power and he does kind of get brought down a little bit. Like he gets to keep his power at the end of principal of this school, but he's got a, a system of checks and balances in Ben. Like Ben Ben has something on him. So his power is diminished at the end. He gets to keep his power like Napoleon did uh, on Elba, but he doesn't really get to use it the way that he got to before. Well, I mean, and that like that makes you kind of question by the end too, like who between the two of them really does have the power. Interesting. Because he yeah. is the principal, which means he's the man in charge, but Ben has influence over him. But Ben <laughs> is okay not having the role, which main Ben before like main timeline Ben previously uh, before this episode wouldn't have been okay with he would need everybody to know that he had the power in this he one wanted, he doesn't yeah. care he needed to be the face of right. the, of the influence of the Correct. power this mm -hmm. time he doesn't have to like he's okay taking that kind of behind the scenes role but kind of poking at the bear while he's hiding behind it right um you know but like it also makes me question too like okay well Yale has already received the recommendation what prevents you now from releasing that information once alex is gone alex is yeah once alex is in yale there's no taking it back so yeah no take backsies and maybe that's why he still has the power that he has oh that's is because true. 
Principal Reynolds knows, uh, he still knows what he knows. Yeah, and it's not like it's like like a letter, like a handwritten letter. It's an email, and there are copies. Yeah. You know, there's a paper trail. Here are my copies, but there's still other copies. Yeah. Yeah. There's a paper trail. (laughs) Yeah. So now that, you know, yes, Alex, he's gotten what he wanted in Alex's recommendation. But how how is it put in Hamilton? But we don't know what we know, or I forget how it's worded. And if you don't know, now you know. Well, no, that's what Tom, no. In the president. (laughs) No, in the, in the scene where they're, they're threatening to expose Alexander for. Oh, he off. doesn't know. They don't know what we know. It's it's like from friends. They don't know that we know that they know. We know. <laughs> yeah. I forget how it is in Hamilton, even though I just watched it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, Ben still holds power, which is very interesting, but it's, you're right. It's, it's interesting in that in the flash sideways compared to the, the actual present day, Ben still holds an element of power, but in the flash sideways, he's kind of relinquished it all. Right. Yeah. And same with the main timeline. That's what I mean. The yeah. main timeline in the present day. Main and main and flash sideways though. I think that Ben ends much on the same kind of wavelength. He's just just differently. Like Ben is just happy to be a part of things on the on the right side of 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 things on the island now where it, and in the flash sideways Ben is happy that Alex got what she wanted in his life you know, will remain relatively unchanged, but he still gets his history club. It's really the first time we've seen Ben with the exception of Alex, that he is thinking of others before himself. Yes. And he takes care of his father, which very interestingly, Dharma gets mentioned. Yes. We find out so weird. We find out that they did go to the Island and they left. But they left. Yeah. That's interesting that they left. Maybe they left immediately. Maybe they left after like a year where Roger Workman was like, oh, I'm not a janitor. I can't do this anymore. I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the Dharma Initiative allowed you in the flash sideways to actually rotate out where they didn't let you do it in the main timeline. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't think we ever get more information on that either. I think that was kind of the little Easter egg that they threw us that kind of let us know like, Hey, like in this flash sideways, Dharma exists. The Island existed. Well, and Roger, Roger was really great in this episode too, because he was just like, I went to the Island cause I, I just wanted things to be better for you, Ben. Mm-hmm. I wanted you to have a better life. So even Roger is a much better character in the flash sideways. It's like Roger Workman also gets his redemption. I love that you just cause you, you will never not call him Roger Workman. He's Roger Workman. (laughs) 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 He'll always be Roger Workman, you know, but he got his redemption as well. I mean, you know, he had emphysema and everything was terrible with his health, but he had a really good relationship with his son Mm -hmm. and that, that and you see Ben is a caring individual. He cares for his father. He cares for his students. He cares for Alex. Um, he's liked by his peers. Like it's all of the things that Ben really wanted for his main timeline life. It is almost the you know, we talk a little we talk a lot of, about reflection now for the past couple episodes. Which he sees in the in the microwave. He, yep, he does. He sees the reflection. I'm glad you caught that. Um, but this is almost an opposite reflection. 
This is mm. not, and this is not in. Well, but I mean, even sometimes, depending on how you're looking at your reflection, you can see it reversed. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what this is, because you mentioned, like, like you mentioned, every he's well liked, he's respected, which are two things that are not the case on the island. And right. when it comes to, and when it comes to Roger, when it comes to his father, he's not trying to kill his father; he's actively keeping him alive. Yes. In yes. changing the oxygen tanks, like mm-hmm. he's taking care of his father right. rather than let it, rather than killing him. I mean, he's giving him microwave dinners, but at least he's feeding him. But they're organic. <laughs> That's right. That made I me laugh. About that. that made organic. me laugh. I'm like, when did Swanson make organic TV dinners? <laughs> when did anything from TV <laughs> dinners become organic? I think that's just something they stamp on the box to make you feel better. But let's be honest, it has so many preservatives in it. It's not organic. No, there's no way a microwave dinner is organic. Mm -mm. I'll eat my hat before somebody shows me one that's truly 100% organic. It says organic preservatives in it. (laughs) Organic Organic xanthan gum. Organic preservatives. Um, <laughs> that's so ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Oh, I know. That's what I mean. Um, I find it very interesting too. At the, jumping back to the beginning of the episode, when we first see, you know, Alana with everybody as they escaped. You know, we see her with Lapidus and Miles, and Ben comes running out of the jungle and you know interacts with them. Ben is legit scared. Yes, he is. We don't would be see too. that often. Well, Saeed had crazy in his eyes. Yeah. It's too and it just late murdered two me. people. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. And it just murdered two people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, like, this is, we are starting to see a breakdown in Ben's character, and it does eventually lead to, by the end of the episode, a good Ben coming coming out of coming out of the rubble of what's breaking but like we're seeing again it's this is maybe one of only two or three times we have seen Ben legit afraid yes yes like like petrified afraid we've seen him pretend to be scared we've seen like we've seen stuff like that and manipulation and whatnot but yes you're totally right he I would be scared too. You just saw the black monster just right through the temple that was supposed to be um, protected area, right? And you see Saeed with crazy eyes, mm. crazy eyes. I mean, he looked absolutely insane at the end of last episode, sundown. Do you think Ben had anything to be afraid of? Yes. I think that if he had stayed along, Saeed would have probably killed him. Okay, Saeed being a threat, yeah. I can I can see that part. I don't think Black Smoke Monster was a threat to Ben. Well, I think that Ben saw what he did with killing Jacob had unleashed. And that's where I would be scared because I would know, okay, the island is no longer protected and it used to be oh, protected. No, I get I get why Ben was afraid. But I'm saying do you think it was a threat to yes. Ben? Yes. You think Black Smoke would have killed him? Uh, no, that's because what, that's no, I mean. because Lo- not Locke still had purpose for him. He still needed him. Well, that's not what I Locke mean. was like, going to kill people he didn't need anymore. I think Ben was afraid of something that wasn't even a threat, other than Saeed. I think Saeed was a legitimate threat, but I don't think him being afraid of the Black Smoke monster. He was afraid of something that wasn't a threat to him. 
Because Black Smoke wouldn't have killed him. I don't know. I don't know. Because, yes, okay, I see where you're coming from with that. But at the same time, Notlock is killing a lot of people that are of no use to him. So the minute that Ben becomes um, not unuseful, not useful, then, yeah, Notlock would kill him in a heartbeat. But, I mean, in that moment, I don't think – Black okay. smoke was a threat. In that moment, absolutely not. That's but what Saeed, I, I But Saeed would have 100% killed him. I think now he'd be a threat. Black smoke would be a threat to Ben. Well, yeah, especially since Notlock gave him the means to escape and, then he never and used saved it. his life. And then yeah. he doesn't go and join Locke. Yeah. Now you should be a little bit scared, buddy. Well, now, well, now you're no longer useful. Correct. Yeah. So now he really needs the protection of this group. Yeah. But the good thing is, is that he has all the knowledge of this island that nobody else has. I mean, Richard and him are like an encyclopedia for the island. They're two amazing resources. And not only that, but Lock, or, but Ben now knows where not Locke is. Yes, he does. That's Cause true. Because he, he told him. Mm-hmm. He said, we will be on the second island. Like, or come, to island. The other, yeah. come to the other island because that's where we'll be. And we're going to leave. So now he knows Notlock's plan. He knows where they are. He knows who has them. Didn't he say who ha- who he has? Because we know that he has Claire and Kate. Does he have Sawyer? Where's Sawyer? Sawyer, I think, is still out on his own. The last I time we saw him, he was at the lighthouse. He was in the... No, he's in the caves. Oh, he was in the caves. That's right. Yeah. He, he almost died on the ladder. Yep. I remember. Now. Oh yeah, but he was with Not Lock, so maybe he is with Not right. Lock in his. But place. he wasn't. But he wasn't with Not Lock when the temple got destroyed. Well, he might not have just gone with him to to attack the temple. Well, he could still be with him. Oh, that's true. Okay, with him as in like on his side. Well, Sawyer just wants to leave the island. He doesn't care how it happens anymore. Like he's lost Juliet. He doesn't want to be there anymore. Maybe he yeah. wants to go be with Clementine. Who knows? But but he. Go- Go ahead. No, I just, I was just, I'm fine. <laughs> I, I was just, I was just going to say, like, going back to like Black Smoke now being a threat to Ben, I think it also works the other way around where Ben, like, yes, he's relinquished his power and he's become part of the group now. He's become a follower and not a leader, which is great. Yeah. But he is technically now a threat to Black Smoke because, as we mentioned, he knows the plan. Yeah. And he knows where they are. Yeah. So That's true. Ben is a threat. He's still a threat. So where Ben was had nothing to fear at the beginning of the episode, Ben is now enemy number one at the end of the episode. It's it's weird because you're right. Like he's deathly afraid of something he was he shouldn't have been afraid of, but now he's not afraid and should absolutely be. Yes. Right. <laughs> well, the whole episode's about irony anyways, so there you go. Yeah, there you go. That's that's the way it is. Um what else you got on your list? Uh, well, I do have the shout out to Nikki and Paolo. Yes. <laughs> I wrote Nikki and Paolo down as well. I love Miles. He's like, I don't want your 3.2 miles or $3.2 million. They're these jabronis, Nikki and Paolo have $8 million in diamonds. I'm going to go do some grave robbing. <laughs> I want to say to uh, speaking of like the, the whole grave thing. That whole premise, not just on Lost, but any movie or television show, 
the mental torture of digging your own grave. I can't even. I like that is one of the worst things I can comprehend. Yep. Of digging a hole that you know eventually you are going to lie in. I can't. I can't. I can't even think about it because it messes with my brain a little bit too much. That it has to be the worst degree of mental torture. Yes. Like uh, anybody has ever conceived of. <laughs> I really like the fact that he dug as slowly as he could. <laughs> like there was barely any sand in it, each scoop. And he even says it too, because Miles comes walking up with the bananas and the, and the green <laughs> bananas and green that sounds beans. Disgusting. And he's like, and he's like, oh, you're doing, you're really doing a good job there with the grave digging. And he's like, I'm not in any rush. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm not really in any rush. Yeah. <laughs> because you're right. Every like every scoop he takes, it's like maybe half a cup of dirt. Maybe we're yeah. we're saying maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, he's just so lackadaisical about it and just like these little, little amounts. And then when Miles says something to him, he's like, I'm not really in any rush. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be either. I definitely don't want my last meal to be bananas and green beans. Like <laughs> GTFO, man. <laughs> I mean, that is all they had. So I, I do green like bananas. And I do like bananas and I do like green beans. I would have had the mango. I don't know if they had any mango at that time. Uh, Alana was eating a mango. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, I would have had a mango. I mean, I like bananas and I like and green gone beans. hunting I, for boar before I, I eat bananas and green beans and a banana leaf. I would have eaten the bananas and green beans. I'm not saying I would have wrapped a banana or a green bean in a banana. That's disgusting. I'm going to give you a meal of bananas and green beans and I'm going to watch you eat it. <laughs> if you serve them on a banana leaf, I'll eat them. Boys are so weird. <laughs> eat anything i'm actually very picky but i will still eat i've eaten many meals with you my friend you are not picky i i can be i can be picky sure be. anyway um yeah i loved i loved miles in this episode mm -hmm. and i i knew watching this episode you were gonna love him too because well, i what like an underutilized character yeah, so every opportunity that we get to see him, you know, perform is great. It's very interesting that Al Alana knew his abilities. She uh, knows everything, it seems. Yeah. It seems like she was more of Jacob's right-hand man than Richard. At the end, yeah, because she had that blind faith. Because he truly saved her life. Yes. Which... I, do we ever get any more of that? I don't know if we do. I don't know. I think it's just like it was enough to be acknowledged and established, but then now we're moving. I think on. we're coming to the end of her character. I think we are too. Yeah, I, I don't remember her being in this many episodes, so I'm surprised every time she lasts the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I could be wrong. But she is, yeah. I, I think she's a great character and she's really compelling. Um, she was less compelling in the beginning. And as she gets more, as the actress gets more comfortable with her character, I really enjoy the way she's played. Yeah. I, I mean, and she, she putting her in that, that position that she's in where she kind of almost is 
but isn't a Jacob, if that makes sense. Well, she's a visible Jacob, right? She's the human embodiment of Jacob without being Jacob. Like she okay. doesn't have the magic powers or anything like that, that he's, he seems to have, but she has that strong leadership quality. She has that forgiving nature. She seems to know about everybody on the Island already. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Um, I was looking it up cause I was very curious uh, about how Alana dies. And uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun death. How many more episodes is she in? She is in, let's see, um, her death. death if you don't want to hear this, you could go and skip 10, 15 seconds. Hey, we've, we've made mention of the spoiler stuff. Um, her last episode is Everybody Loves Hugo, which is episode 12. Okay, so she still has some episodes left in her. She's got some episodes left, yeah, because we've got Recon, Abiturno, The Package, Happily Ever After, and Everybody Loves Hurley, uh, or Hugo. That's not to say she's going to be in all those episodes, but um, she's got some time left. Right. Her death is uh, very interesting, though. She shares a death with Ernst. Oh, cool. They're going to be wiping yeah. her off of their shirt. Yes. <laughs> and, it, and it happens in front of Hurley. Poor Hurley. I know. <laughs> Poor Hurley. It happens in front of Hurley. Oh, man. I love that guy, though. I love Jorge Garcia. Everybody loves Hugo. Isn't there an Everybody Loves Hurley and an Everybody Loves Hugo? I think so. Or no. I Well, is it is it Everybody Loves Hurley or is it Everybody Hates Hurley. It's the one where he hoarded all the food and was drinking the gallon of ranch. Um, it's in the early, early, early episodes. There's everybody loves Hugo. I thought there was, yeah, I thought there was another one too. We can Maybe. look it up later. Yeah. Sorry. It's fine. Other than Nikki and Paolo though, that's all I have. That's all you really had? Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Going through my notes, we already mentioned Alex, Nikki, and Paolo digging your own grave. Um, I still don't know the purpose of Frank Lapidus being on the island. I think the only thing I really have left, to, I, I I called the whole Jack and Richard thing. I, I, every once in a while, oh, I like. Tell me about what you thought of that because we didn't. You said you had some thoughts. Oh, so I mean, no, we we kind of touched base on it a little bit in that Jack has become the man of faith. Oh well, the, okay. The fully engrossed man of faith, but I every once in a while I I give my notes, my bullet points, like little fun names, and I called that one Jack Richard and the Stick of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I just don't like the way Jack talks to Hurley at all. The only other note I really have, and I get that, um, the only other note I really have is I was really a big fan of that conversation between Ben and Locke in the break room in the teacher's lounge. Yeah, I like that too. Because there's a big comparison in that, you know, where, you know, Locke is saying like, well, it sounds like you care very much for this school. 
you know, it cares. It sounds like you care very much for everyone. So if the boss man doesn't, I, I forget. I'm I'm paraphrasing. Um, if the if the man in charge, no, he says the man in charge. If the man in charge doesn't, maybe someone else should. Which is very very interesting. I, it, again, it's all about irony in this episode. You know, this is the most ironic episode as far as main timeline and flash sideways timeline goes this entire um, season, mm-hmm. I think. But I, I, think that that, I think that that makes sense, though, because Ben is such a complicated character that, of course, everything that happens to him is going to be ironic somehow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree I think about all of that. And, it's just- and Locke was the one that convinced him to go for the principal position and Locke was, and not Locke was the one that convinced Ben to escape um, and go join him well, as not, a potential not, leader. Not only that, but the, the comparison in if the man in charge doesn't care enough, maybe someone else should. That argument is what compelled Ben to go after the principal's position eventually with when Alex came into it. But also at the same time, that's also, I think, very comparable to when Ben ends up killing Jacob. Right. Because it does seem like Jacob doesn't care. Yes, exactly. It does seem like Jacob is treating his followers like pawns. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, the more the more you watch this and the more that we um, um, digest this or, or analyze this show, the more I'm realizing that Jacob is such a flawed character that you know, he does a lot wrong for somebody who's supposed to be all good. Yeah. Uh, uh, He is more, the more and more we watch and the more and more we analyze, we, we tend to start that, you know, we tend to see that scale move Mm -hmm. as to what side Jacob really does fall on. I mean, when you, when you put him in comparison to not lock or the man in black, mm -hmm. yes, it's very much, he is still on the side of good. But when you look at him as a, as a whole, there are a lot of shades of gray. And you can say the same for man in black before he kills, before he has Jacob killed, he does make good points about the fact that, you know, people are flawed and we should always take that into account. Like, yes, people are good. And Jacob is like, well, they're all good at heart. If you really give them a chance. Well, no, they're not. Not all people are good at heart. They're just not. That's not not, how it works. Even after Jacob's death, he's still making good points. Right. He's still incredibly convincing. But he's also incredibly evil. (laughs) True. It makes you wonder, too, that had things played out differently and he actually did get off the island, then what? Right. Does he just go and live a normal life like on the mainland because he's home? Like, yeah, I don't know what his big plan yeah. is, like what, what his the, end game is. What were the post off the island plans? Is it that you want a movie theater? Like, what is it? Like, I'm sure that we can figure it out. You want Amazon to come to the island? Like, we can figure that out too. But why do you want, why are you so intent on getting off this island? Maybe it was just to get a couple Starbucks franchise. Dude, I'd stay. I would stay on that island forever. (laughs) For for Starbucks? (laughs) It's overpriced. Come on. No, no, no. I would stay on the island. Like, I wouldn't want to go to the real world where there's real world problems. Look, if you had internet and cable. Actually, you wouldn't even need cable. Just internet. Just internet. I'm happy. Yeah. Oh, well, I also need food. 
I need a variety of food. That's my biggest problem. Internet could have that delivered. To the island. To the island. Like a little parachute, like Hunger Games style. That's how they did it for Dharma Initiative. It came down in pallets. Yeah, but it looked like government food, you know, like rations from World War II. Well, look, I mean, look, I could survive on Kraft macaroni and cheese. I could too, with hot dog bits in it. No problem. Yeah. Good Lord. (laughs) We had that last night for dinner, but we chopped up bratwurst. (laughs) I've done that. I've done, like, I, I've done like sausage and like chorizo, oh, chorizo and Kraft macaroni. Yeah, and cheese. sure. But have you, delicious. I don't I mean, know if you go to Trader Joe's, but Trader Joe's has this seasoning called elote seasoning. I've heard of it. Phenomenal. I load up my mac and cheese with that and like some green pepper Cholula sauce right in there. Plus the bratwurst. We're talking. Excellent you know, meal. <laughs> you know, you know what elote seasoning is probably really good on, along with a little Parmesan cheese mixed Everything. into it, is corn on the cob. Well, that's it's that's what elote is. It's street corn. Oh well, then that makes sense. Why yeah, it's good on corn on the cob? Exactly. Like with street corn, you cover it in mayo first, then you load it up with all the seasonings, and then you is it drench mayo it or in crema? the cheese. No, it's mayo. <laughs> is it, I thought it was crema. Okay, it's mayo. <laughs> Listen. Anyway, <laughs> I I come from Southern California. There uh, there is a huge Mexican influence in Southern California. Mexicans love their mayo. You lost me at mayo because I I I only eat mayo on certain things, and corn is not one of them. Well, that's why I don't eat elote. Which is why when I saw the elote seasoning, I was like, hell yeah, I'll take that right now. I'm gonna have to go look for that. You have to go get it. We we oh, when we go to my mom's house, because um, we don't have Trader Joe's by us, but my mom lives an hour away from us, so we go to Trader Joe's and we buy five at a time. <laughs> squirrel. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a good squirrel. Yeah, that you was a good. You know, if you squirrel. put a lote seasoning on squirrel, it would be good. Oh God. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I, I I need a fuck no for that one. <laughs> Um, I think that's pretty much all my notes, though. Oh, the only other thing we, did, we didn't talk about, and it's just kind of a tease, so we really don't even have to talk about it a lot, is Charles Whitmore coming to the island in a submarine. Oh, my gosh. I totally forgot that he was even a part of the show anymore. <laughs> oh, he's, a, he's still a big part. No, I, I get that, but there's just so much rich story that you just kind of forget about other stuff that could be happening or will happen. He's I need Desmond po- back. Oh, that's coming because he's I know. part of the Charles Whitmore storyline. But I just need to see Desmond again. I miss him. Yeah, we're going to see him soon. Good. Um, Does Penny ever go to the island? Ever? I don't think she ever steps foot on the island. She's just like on the freighter or whatever. Yeah, I think she's just on a boat like outside of it. I don't think she ever steps foot on the boat. Uh. Next episode we're going to discuss uh, is Recon, which is a Sawyer episode. Yes. Um, so we're we're going to get some more Sawyer. So answers to our questions. And he's a cop, where- right? In Flash Sideways, he's a cop. I think he is a cop. Yeah, yeah. that's the best that's part. Right. <laughs> I forgot Sawyer's an officer. officer. <laughs> which for- is interesting because he let Kate go in the elevator. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do remember that. Okay. Cause he let her, he let her go. He hid her 
from the actual police. Well, yeah, because I because in the flash sideways, Sawyer is a police officer who is chasing a con man. I can't wait. I'm going to go watch it right as soon as we're done. (laughs) I think the con man is Charlotte. Perfect. If if I remember correctly. I I might be wrong, but we're going to we're going to find out. Yeah, it'll be fun Uh, either way. But that's going to take us to the feedback section of the podcast. And of course, we have, we a, have a voicemail from a, our friend Steve. It's a live steving. Uh, so let's play that now. Hello, Ben and Kristen. This is Steve, and this is going to be for Dr. Linus. Okay, so Ben's going to get him back to the beach, the water at their back, and now we're into the classroom. Who is this guy playing Principal Riddles? He looks so familiar to me. Uh, Dr. Linus, he just said the title of the episode, Mike Drop. Wait, <laughs> I just picked up this. Ernst's first name is Leslie. Did we know that before? Mm-hmm. Something else. Is this ben, Ben's flash sideways or is it still Locke's flash sideways? Because we know that Ben isn't in the temple at the end. The church, I mean. Uh, using Ben's words against him, standing over Jacob's dead body with a bloody dagger. Oh, and the return of Ben's dad, Roger Workman. Okay, so in this flash sideways, Ben went to the island with his father, or his father took him to the island, and they left it for some reason. A lot of Dr. Linus is getting thrown out there. The title of the episode, like a lot of mics dropping. And Alex is alive. <laughs> Richard Albert, I love the answer to Jack. Where'd you come from? You wouldn't believe me if I told you. So Dr. Linus here in the library, mic drop. I'm just going to quit acknowledging the Dr. Linuses because it feels like I'm being punked or something. Another, another mic drop here in the library. <laughs> Miles just talked about Nikki, Apollo, and the diamonds. <laughs> I love Hurley. It's like a Terminator thing. Are you a cyborg? Well, I can't wait till we get to the uh, Richard Alpert episode we're just getting a little piece of it in this monologue here to jack and hurley didn't jacob touch hurley and jack also is i guess the touch i don't know oh john i think we can all think about five people that are better for the job than ben of taking care of the island okay one ben runs into the jungle and the other ben the one sideways ben is uh blackmailing principal reynolds principal reynolds just gave him a choice about what to do about alex Remember, in the real timeline, he let Alex be killed. Aw, so in this life, Ben chose the right, made the right choice. And apparently, Miles dug up the diamonds. Oh, a submarine. I do not remember this. And the next episode looks like it might be a gen episode, recon. But, uh, ooh, Widmore's back. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Does Miles dig up the diamonds? Do we see that at the yeah, end? Yeah, he's he's looking at the diamonds at the end and like the little music montage. Yeah, he oh, robs missed, that grave. Oh, I miss that. <laughs> I absolutely miss that. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Steve did bring up a good point, and it was something I thought of at the time, and I didn't, I kind of went right past it. Jacob touched all of them. Mm-hmm. So why do they not why do they not have the same gift that Richard has? Maybe they do. And that they can't kill themselves. Correct. Oh. Or maybe it's just a Richard thing, and he just assumes everybody's that way. Or maybe, like, everybody's given a different gift. Well, Jack got the gift of asshole because he's (laughs) using it. Jack just sucks. (laughs) Yes! Thank you. (laughs) Oh. Feels so good. <laughs> uh, uh, William Atherton, Steve, as we mentioned earlier, is the guy that plays it. That's why he looks familiar. He's the uh, the dickhead EBA agent in Ghostbusters. He's the dickhead news reporter in Die Hard. He's the same dickhead news reporter in Die Hard too. 
and he's been in a ton of other stuff. He's a he's a fantastic character actor. He really is. But he's just he plays that character well. Which means that he's probably a really nice guy. In he's real probably life. an incredibly yep, nice guy. Because they all are. <laughs> yep. Exactly. I have no doubts. Lena Headey, who it, who played Cersei just spectacularly in Game of Thrones, is like the most like kindest, inclusive, like down to earth person ever. Well, so, um, also Game of Thrones. Um, a character that played Joffrey. Joffrey, yeah. yeah. Um, why can't I remember his name? Jack, uh, Jackie Gleason? Not Jackie. Jack. Gle- Jack Gleason. Jack Gleason. Jack Gleason. Um, I bet you his dad still calls him Jackie. Yeah. Um, it, it is, he's the same way. He is notoriously yeah. one of the most despicable characters in the history of television. Yeah. The nicest person in real life. Sophie Turner, who played Sansa, who was like basically brutalized by by uh, Joffrey the whole time Joffrey was on the show. She said in the last season when she was interviewed, she goes, "If we could bring back anybody, it would be it would be Jack." Yeah, in a heartbeat. She says, "I just want I, I loved working with him. I miss him all the time." I That's- I I went to a convention. One of the shows that I went to that I was just there. I wasn't working. Um, I went to it because a friend of mine, a celebrity that I'm friends with was there. So I went to go see him and catch up with him. And there was a couple other people that I wanted to meet, like Nick Frost from Shaun of the Dead and, and such. Um, Jack Gleason actually happened to be a guest. And I didn't oh. take the opportunity to go meet him, which I kind of regret now. Because once the show was over, everybody I talked to who actually went and waited in line and met, met him said he was just the nicest person. Like he, he sat and he talked to you. Like he had full on conversations. Like he was just incredibly pleasant. He went to Oxford when he was done with game of Thrones and he got a degree in philosophy and I he think quit acting. He was, yeah. I think that it was, yeah, I'm good for him. Yeah. You know, he, good for him. He it quit was acting after game of Thrones. Well, I would too. When you, I mean, when you have a role like that, it's like, you know, you're done. Yeah, you're done. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but thank you, Steve, for the feedback. Uh, as always, we encourage you guys to leave us feedback as well. Easiest way to do that is to go to uh, as I is to send it to us in an email or a voicemail to feedback at revisitedpod.com or just go to revisitedpod.com and you'll find links there on how to do it as well as where you can go to subscribe, watch the video versions and all that fun stuff. Yay. Uh, recommendations for the week. Do you have any? <sighs> I have one if you don't. I mean, we just we're in the middle of a rewatch of all the Mission Impossible movies right now. And that's been super fun to binge it like one after the other. Rewatch or first watch? Uh, Both, right? I'm on I'm on first watch watch after Ghost Protocol. I've seen okay. all the other ones. But last night we watched Rogue Nation. And t- today we're going to watch Fallout. Which is probably the best one is Fallout. Which really better than Ghost Protocol? Because Ghost that, Protocol is amazing. Ghost Protocol is amazing. Rogue Nation when he's, is great. When he's out in that building, that is the most intense scene in like all of <laughs> movies. When that when those gloves stop working, oh my gosh! Like I'm sweaty thinking about it. And to know that it's him, I know it's crazy like, that that's him. It's it's to know that it's him doing it is just 
ridiculous. My kids were floored when they realized that he does most of his own stunts. I was like, he is not he's most. an adrenaline junkie. It's, it's not most. It's all. Well, I think that there's some that he can't do just from a legal standpoint. Like I watched the the featurette on uh, Ghost Protocol and the insurance would only let him be out there for like a certain amount of time or something like that. Like, like the director's like, there's $10 million swinging outside. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like in, in, so that's ghost protocol. And then in rogue nation or maybe the plane scene, he does the plane scene and he does the underwater scene in rogue nation. And then I think in fallout, the big scene is, I think like he's on there. I don't want to know. Okay. I won't tell you. Yeah, because I'm about I, I, to see it. But yeah, but there's a, he there's does a one big scene. crazy stunt for every, every movie. single movie. It's like it's yep. kind of like they're writing them around something that he just wants to do. Well, and I heard that that's kind of what part of the problem with Dead Reckoning is that it, it, it kind is of that feels he's 60 that, now. Is that well, no, it kind of feels like the movie was written around the big stunt for him to do. Right. Well, and that's it kind all of that weakens, it ever is. And it kind of weakens the plot a little bit. Well, because they need Jeremy Renner back. Unfortunately, he is not physically able to do anything. That man is a real life superhero. No, he is. I'm just saying if he's going to come back and do something as physical as a Mission Impossible movie, he needs at least another year or two of of rehab. It's going to be a little bit of a while. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, he's a real life superpower, superhero, and everybody should send him flowers. Yeah. Daily. I, I, I love Jeremy Renner so much. Oh God. Um, my recommendation. So I, I've mentioned this for the past couple episodes. I'm in the midst of my summer thing where I'm. I have a playlist of 175 movies I've never seen before. Now it's 176 because you told me <laughs> one earlier. Then I'm going to add to it. Um, but I have a playlist of 176 movies I've never seen before, and every time I sit down to watch a movie. I just go to that playlist and I hit shuffle. And the first movie that comes up is the movie that I watch. I have a question. Yeah. When you watch it, do you take it off that list? Yes. Okay. Yes. It comes off the list once I've watched it. So now it's less than 175. Now it's less than 175. Yeah. Um, and I've seen, I've seen some really good ones. Like last night I ended up watching the movie plane with Gerard Butler, which was actually really good. But let me tell you the movie that I've watched so far that absolutely blew me away in how great it was. I knew it was going to be good. I was not anticipating loving the movie as much as I did. Tetris with Taron Egerton. Okay. I've heard of that. That's relatively new. It's, it came out this year. Okay. So it's It's, new. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, it's Taron Egerton and like a bunch of other people, but it is basically almost the real story of how the game Tetris was made and all of the complications that came with it because Tetris was a Russian game that was released in the midst of it still being the Soviet Union. So, Oh, cool. Okay. 
so like communism was still, I mean, communism still exists there, but it like, it was to the point, like this was before the fall of the Berlin wall. So like, this was a point where they felt that selling something to the Americans was going to cause the downfall of Russia. Yeah. And God, it was, that. it was so intriguing, but so fun at the same time. Well, I have to watch it. And then I ended up falling into a YouTube hole of like of of like what about the movie was real and what about it wasn't and they said like they actually talked to the two guys that were that the movie is about the creator of tetris and the guy that brought tetris to america because they're still alive they interviewed them both and they said every single thing about that movie emotionally is right on point they said, wow. like, obviously, there are some Hollywood embellishments to parts mm-hmm. of the story, but emotionally, it is spot on. Okay. I was like, oh, now I love this movie even more. Oh, you know what movie I just watched for the first time the other night, too? My son has been badgering me to watch this movie for so long. And we've both read the book series, and we love the book series. But I never got around to watching the movie because I've been burned by all of these movies that have been made from books. Is Maze Runner. I've never seen it. My goodness, that was good. If you've I heard seen it's it, good. I'll tell you what. The adaptation that they did from the book is top notch. Top notch. Hmm. I was really, really impressed. Like there and the reason why I thought of it is because what you said was there was Hollywood embellishments. Like they did like streamline a couple of of things from the book that didn't happen in the movie, but I get it. I get it why they did it. And okay. it was, really good and now we're now my daughter's like i go to read all the books and so we're waiting for her to read the books before we watch the second and third movie <laughs> are there th- there's three movies yeah okay yeah they didn't do as well because i think that people were getting dystopian fatigue when they were being made which sucks because in my opinion the maze runner series is up there for me with hunger games it's amazing hunger games movies are fantastic well, yes that's why i'm saying it's like the book series I would put Maze Runner up there with Hunger Games. Okay. And even the Divergent book series was fucking fantastic. And they ruined the movies, ruined them. I never saw them either. Don't. Okay. Just don't. That's my recommendation. Don't watch the Divergent movies. <laughs> <laughs> They're so bad that they didn't even make the last of them. They were like direct to TV, low budget, like, I guess we'll finish this story movies. I know we've mentioned this before, but I am really excited for the Percy Jackson series. Yes, and Oppenheimer. I'm really excited, which I'm going to a screening of. I know. Oh, so my daughter is a huge (laughs) Percy Jackson fan, which I think I've mentioned before on the show a few times. I've talked to your daughter about it. Yeah, she's obsessed. Um, And she hates the movies so much because they're just not great. But the kid that plays Percy Jackson in the movies plays the Logan lead, Lerman plays the lead in Maze Runner and at the most intense parts of this movie she's just screaming out Percy run Ronnie Percy <laughs> <laughs> I this is what your your daughter and I have talked about is I enjoyed the first Percy Jackson movie I enjoyed it. You can't talk to her about that because she'll just rip your face right off. (laughs) Her and I have talked about it. And she got pretty emotional, if I recall correctly. 
Well, I mean, you you say emotional, I say aggravated, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the yeah. same thing. She was pretty aggravated. That that's a better word for it. She was aggravated. She she just she'll she'll just like roll her eyes and be like, "Don't even get me started on this stupid movie." <laughs> <laughs> Any final notes before we head out? No. No. Happy Fourth of July. Yeah, you'll be hearing for those of you that celebrate. Uh, if you're in the states. Meaning. Yeah. Um, uh, the only other things I'll make mention of in my final notes is uh, my Wilhelm podcast is back. <laughs> Yay. Uh, I took a little bit of a break, uh, but the new season has kicked off. I did an episode in front of an audience at Fan Expo Philadelphia a couple weeks ago. Uh, and that was, the, that was the first episode I just released. So the audio of oh, that episode goodness. is released. And then uh, I have a bunch of fun episodes planned for this season. Um, Good. Uh, just to make a quick mention of a couple of them, I got to pull them up because I don't f- remember them all. Um, I have, let's see. Well, for starters, I have uh, Dave Coulier is coming on the podcast. Dave Coulier, love it. Which, which is awesome. Uh, we're going to be doing top five favorite Robin Williams movies. That's actually going to be dropping on August 11th, which is the anniversary of his death. So that's going to be in remembrance of Robin. Uh, top five favorite sketches from Monty Python's Flying Circus. Brian O'Halloran, who is Dante from Clerks, is coming on the podcast. Top five favorite Doctor Who episodes in time for the 60th anniversary this November. Top five favorite Dwayne Johnson movies. Mark Summers is coming on the podcast. Uh, Jason Manzukis is coming on the podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm so jealous. I know. I'm, oh I'm, gosh, I'm, I was so excited when his publicist got back to me and said, I think we can make this happen. Can I just like listen? <laughs> can I just be there and just be like, I love you. I, hi. Hi. My whole family I, loves you. We all love you. <laughs> I could probably keep you in the background. Oh my gosh. My kids would die. <laughs> they know who Jason Manzukis is? Yeah, he's Adrian Pimento, right? Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's right. They're deep in Brooklyn Nine-Nine right now. Deep in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And he's Pimento. And he's also Dennis Feinstein. Dennis Feinstein in Parks and Recreation. He's awesome. He's awesome. I'm trying to get him on. uh, And he's in the good place. Yes. Yeah. He's Derek. (laughs) I'm trying to get him on right now because he has his own podcast called uh, How Did This Get Made? (laughs) <laughs> with him uh, and Paul Shear, where they like they just watch bad movies and they talk about them. But I love that podcast because Death they absolutely bed, the bed that eats people. They love the Fast and Furious movies, like they just sit and rave about those movies when they do them. <laughs> but they're coming; they're doing a live podcast here in Philly in August. So I'm trying to get him on before then to kind of plug the the live show. Oh, fun! Yeah, so That'll hopefully he'll hopefully he'll be on sooner than later. But his are you gonna do was, my idea for Wilhelm? Which one? Top, top five man in the van. We should. Yeah, we should do that. Uh, there's a bunch of other episodes that are planned out as well, but uh, that's just. Are you doing uh, Halloween and Christmas again? Uh, Halloween, actually, I have a special guest coming on to do this year's horror movie. Okay. Uh, we talked about this actually, Josh Robert Thompson. Oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the guy who did the voice of Jeff the robot and such, who's been on as a celebrity before is coming on to do top five. He's going to come on. He's very excited actually, because he loves horror. So when I invited him on to do a horror episode for Halloween, he's like, yes, just tell me when. Yeah. Awesome. So he's going to come back on to do this year's horror episode, this year's Halloween episode, which is cool. Oh, fun. So, 
Uh, but with that being said, uh, thank you as always for being a part of this family. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. All that you guys do. But until next time, we'll see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back! <laughs>